I'm Lexi Davis, a love embodiment coach who helps people create a love that feels like home, and I'm here to bring more romance and playfulness into the world. I'm also an international retreat host, vibe curator, and human connector. I serve people through my business, Alive to Enjoy, and this podcast where I invite guests from around the world to sprinkle their wisdom and expand your perspective so you can create the deepest love you possibly can reach in this lifetime. I also want you to live the most joyous life, whatever that looks like to you, and I hope that this slice of the internet brings you lots of smiles and helps you keep your heart open. Thank you, thank you, thank you for choosing Heart Snuggles to be in your ears each week, and I'm so glad you're here with me. Welcome, heart snugglers. We're so happy to have you here today. And I have the most amazing human that's going to share so much wisdom with us today. Her name is Allison, and I'm so excited to hear from you. So go ahead and give them a little background about you. Oh my gosh, a little background? Yeah. <laughs> like the 30 second version or the. <laughs> whatever you feel, whatever you feel. Okay, all right. Well, this would be one way to know me. I think I was born an activist. I, I think I started arguing with my parents and teachers <laughs> when I was about eight about how things should be. And over many, many years, decades, I found myself speaking up for people who couldn't be heard. Mm-hmm. So I was an advocate for the hungry. I was an advocate for the homeless. I was an advocate for children, which is amazing how much they can't be heard. And then I started studying men. And after my friend was called a frog farmer, as in someone who turns princes into frogs. And I knew it was true about me. And I wanted to find out what I was doing that was bringing out the worst in men. And I thought it would take two or three months to learn everything that was worth knowing about them. Because of course I knew, I was absolutely clear they were shallow. They had no feelings. I questioned if they had souls. So we're just going to get to it. How am I bringing out the worst? And then let's keep going. And that was 1991. And I've been fascinated. I've been fascinated. I've never committed to studying men any longer than that little window I thought I was going to spend. And they just constantly, they surprise me. They still surprise me in such a good way. And, And the thought you know, who are these people and how much they're misinterpreted. So mostly I've spoken up for men (laughs) since 1991. But then one of the things that men most wanted to talk about was women, and which surprised me. I thought it was going to be sports and work and sex. And no, they wanted to talk about women and love and sex. But I learned so much about women from their point of view. I started to see women differently, started seeing myself differently, started to make sense of why women do what they do. Like we're we're not horrible people. What we're doing makes sense to us. What has it make sense to us? And so now I'm, you know, I'm an advocate for men and for women and for goodness and empowering people instead of disempowering ourselves and each other. And that's what I do. Yeah, so beautiful. I love how you really remove the shame from both sides too, and just like bring understanding, which I think is something we don't often look into, you know? Yeah. Okay, amazing. So like to condemn ourselves or the other or both. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. So the first question of the podcast is, what was the last random act of kindness someone did for you? Wow. Would you know someone else's random act of kindness? Would you know it was random? <laughs> yeah, I I was acknowledging my boyfriend yesterday because at the top of my list that I made before I ever met him, in fact, it was two weeks before I met him, it says what I need is support and appreciation. Mm-hmm. And he's just so good at it. He's so good very good at both of those. And even, you know, describing where I live in a wilderness, I live in his wilderness, but I don't live with him because I, after my husband died, I didn't want to live with anybody ever. 
<laughs> I found out how much I need to be alone. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these things that he does to take care of me. And, you know, living on his property and we tease him, we call him the Lord of the Manor. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a huge house and 35 acres, you know, of wilderness. And, but I get to be here in my little house. That's exactly the way I need it to be. Don't have to ask anybody else their opinion or accommodate what they want. But I'm inside of his protection. And he's always protecting me, you know, including the other day going, oh, honey, a bear passed by not too long ago. <laughs> Thought you should know. <laughs> Take Bucky with you. Have him walk you home. That's, that's my dog that we share. We have joint custody of my dog. Oh, that's that's such a beautiful, safe feeling to know that's like you're still in that protection, but you get the freedom of your own space. <gasps> that's mm-hmm. so sweet. I love that. Amazing. It's, um, it, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I can, yeah, I feel that for you. I, I like that feeling. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that would be nice. Yeah. So, and the second question is what is a shameful memory you have around sex or love from when you were younger? Oh my gosh, a shameful memory. Well, most of the things I, shame is something that I pay attention to because it has a huge impact. And I distinguish the difference between embarrassed and ashamed. And in in my view, Embarrassed is when we're caught being imperfect. So embarrassed requires an audience. Somebody has to have seen the toilet paper hanging out of the back of our skirt. Right? Somebody has to have seen the spinach in our teeth. Somebody has to have seen, you know, what whatever was going on with our wardrobe and whatnot. Um, and that's embarrassed. You know, we're it was witnessed. We're imperfect. And ashamed, though, it's one of the few feelings that I've found exist in the same place in men and women. Mm. Most of our feelings don't live in the same part of our bodies, but shame is, is right there in the diaphragm, in the, the chakra that represents our sense of self, who we are, (laughs) knowing who we are. And, and we experience shame when we betray our highest values when we betray our definition of ourselves and who we are that we are, and it requires no audience. Mm -hmm. Nobody has to ever know it happened um, for us to feel shame. And I've spent a lot of time on it, discovered it because of men. They hold themselves to account for so many things that we don't know that they do. And in fact, when they say something, we try to talk them out of it. Mm. And you can't talk somebody out of shame. It They don't care what you think. It's what they think that matters. It's what we think of ourselves that matters. And But if we don't restore ourselves from shame, that feeling, it'll disconnect us mm. from our own spirit, our own grounding, our own sense of truth. And... And that's bad enough. And then on top of that, it affects something I call the deserving equation. Mm -hmm. And deserving, being worthy, earning, not not being in debt to somebody else by accepting something that we didn't already earn or deserve, right? Or equal. Shame, Shame skews the deserving equation hugely. And... It can have people, and I see this in men, I see it in women, but I see it more in men. So a man will need something that he thinks he doesn't deserve because of what he's ashamed of having done or failed to do. Like one of the things they say the most is, I should have been there. Because mm. someone that they love it will get hurt in some way and they'll say, I should have been there. And that's them holding themselves to account for protecting that person, right? And 
So all the things that they're ashamed of weigh on the don't deserve, <laughs> takes away from the deserving equation. And so they'll need something, but they think they won't deserve, they don't deserve it. And so it's one of the things that will contribute to they either, they may never ask for it, which is normal human behavior. And even if it's offered because somebody sees that they need something, they won't accept it. And if they take something that they don't deserve, that they think they don't deserve, but they take it anyway because they need it so badly, that's another thing to be ashamed of. We call the road to hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, so I just had to say that because you used a big word in your question. And, and so when we restore ourselves from shame, we often, we don't remember anymore, right? When we own what we did and forgive ourselves and, but something that I, oh, here's something in the area of love. When my parents got a divorce, my mother painted my father as this horrible human being. Mm. And, and then we were told that we were going to each, the three of us were going to each meet with the judge individually and tell the judge whether we wanted to live with our mother or our father. And as a young human being, do you know, taught to believe my father had neglected me horribly, I, I gleefully told the judge that I wanted to live with my, with my mother. It was like a way to get back at my father, that he wanted us. I could get back at him mm -hmm. by saying, no, I'm not gonna. Mm -hmm. And I never told him that. I never told him that. I Later on, I got to find out how different it was than I was led to believe and how much our father wanted us to live with him, wanted to raise us, wanted to do have a family with us and that my mom was cutting him out of that, which back in the sixties, dads rarely got custody. Yeah. Rarely, rarely. And so, yeah, it definitely was something that I was ashamed of having done to my father. And on the other side of it, studying men and finding out that, yes, my father was an alcoholic, but he was a man. And most of what my mom attributed to alcoholism was her antagonizing his male instincts. <laughs> mm -hmm. My mother was an expert at bringing out the worst of my father. Mm -hmm. And when I found out what women do that bring out, brings out the worst in men, and I stopped doing that with my dad, oh my gosh, I mean, we fell in love with each other. And yeah, it, it started, I've been involved in transformation since I was 19. So I was 26, I think, or something like that, when I first started cleaning up my relationship with my dad. And oh my gosh, I, I found out at his celebration of life a year ago, his one of his caretakers was there. And I remember meeting her. And she said, something that you might not know about your dad is that after he would have his lunch each day, my, my father was blind. And after he, he had his lunch each day, and but he wasn't ready for his nap, I'd say, do you, do you want to watch videos of Allison on YouTube? Oh, I had no idea that that was a regular part of his life. And he couldn't see them, but they still called it watching them, do you know? Yeah. And I have flickers of life within the light, within the blindness. But yeah, shame is something to head into. When we, when we look at it, someone asked my daughter when she was about 16, she said, they said to her, what is it that makes you so pure? And Claire turned 30 yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, and what she said to that person was, I forgive myself a lot, which is what there is to do own, own the harm we cause to ourselves or others, and then forgive ourselves and recommit to something congruent to who we are.
Mm. We call it noble forgiveness. It's so beautiful. And I think it's something a lot of us do not practice enough and said we carry on to those memories and those experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'd love to talk more about the, that concept of how you, you were talking about bringing out the worst in men. So what are some ways that women do this? Probably unknowingly, and then blame it on the men instead. <laughs> ah, well, so there are some things that women do on purpose as an attack. They really mean to attack. But most of what we do, we do because it works with women. And we think it should work with men because we think a man is a kind of woman. You may have heard me express, we, we think of them as a, a hairy, dysfunctional, <laughs> emotionally cut off, <laughs> misbehaving woman who's in need of training and education and discipline and, and punishment and <laughs> regulation. But it, it's just because we think they're supposed to be like women. We We project our values, our motivations, our rationale onto them and and then when it doesn't work that's more evidence for that they don't really care about us or they don't really respect us so one of the biggest things is criticism criticism profoundly affects women we 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 just they just someone just gets a look on their face and we'll decide what they didn't like, what they disapproved of, what they were critical of. And I've told women, sometimes it's just gas. But verify, that was a funny look. Are you mad at me? Verify, does it taste funny? Oh, no, I just had a rumble in my stomach. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, So, so we'll, we'll, there's all these versions of criticism, like one of the most popular ones is posed as a question. Why, why don't you? Why didn't you take out the trash? Why don't you come home on time? Why don't you provide more for the kids? Why don't you help around here some more? And that would motivate a woman that she, she'd she be right on that if, if she was afraid of displeasing us, if she thought she was better than us and didn't care if she displeased us. <laughs> it's not going to work. But, but mostly we'll adapt to criticism, even if it's to go underground and hide what we're doing that someone would be critical of. And when we say something like that to a man, well, there's there's several things that happen, but one of the things that happens is is they listen literally. So if we say, why don't you spend more time with the kids? They'll answer the question. They think you want the answer. <laughs> well, so I work this many hours a week. I have to take care of my body at least a little bit. I'm, I'm getting by on four and a half hours of sleep already. <laughs> and I've got an hour and a half commute each way. So it adds up to, I don't have it, right? And we're, oh, that's just a poor justification. You just don't really care about us. You said you wanted kids, but you didn't mean it. And they're just like, <laughs> Because they generally, they try to tell us the truth until we convince them it's not worth it. Um, (laughs) But that's a whole other thing. So we criticize. We also, one of the things we don't understand about, you could call it masculinity, whether it's in a man or in a woman, that aspect, that, that yang part of, if you want to call it that, has everything to do with accountability and men will help like if if we if we cry help they just drop everything except for anything that could be used as a weapon (laughs) against whatever the threat is (laughs) that they're charging off to help us with they will help they're very helpful but it's not their happy place Mm -hmm. their happy place is accountable their happy place is count honorable to produce that. 
that that's their territory, that that's something they provide. And, and especially if it's an expression of who they are, then it's a, it, it could even be a privilege to provide it, right? And to be, I asked my husband once, there was something he did for me that was ex extraordinary. You're talking about random acts of kindness. He knew I hated the smell of gasoline and I hated how it would end up on my hands <laughs> and couldn't be washed off. And so he would figure out where I was going and he made sure I always had enough gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he would take my car and fill it up with gas and he'd pay attention to it having enough gas. So much so that I forgot to ever look at the gas gauge. <laughs> it was just, it it just wasn't my job, right? And I asked him, I asked him, how do you want to be appreciated for that? It makes such a difference in my life. How do you want to be appreciated for it? And he shocked the heck out of me, Lexi. He said, he said, if you took it for granted, it would tell me that you know who I am. What? <laughs> what? What? Like counting on them for something and interact with them like they can be counted on for something that shows up as appreciation. Who are these people? <laughs> right? So, yeah. So we, one of the ways we bring out the worst in them is we don't let them be accountable. We just want them to implement our plans. We just, we've decided how this should be done. Now do it my way. And they're not organized around that. They're organized around producing a result and they're going to produce the result in a way that plays to their strengths. Our plans don't play to their strengths. Our plans are often are clueless what their strengths are or how much time and energy they're willing to dedicate to something. Mm -hmm. So withholding accountability, all the withholding, withholding appreciation, withholding support, withholding sex, withholding food. Mm. Well, we, were, we were talking, how, how do we diminish men? How do we punish and diminish men? And one woman said, withhold food. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. And I realized I had done that. Yeah. I, I had done that in my first marriage, which was not a marriage at all. I knew we were out of milk. I knew my husband was going to come home late and have a bowl of cereal the size of like a salad bowl for a family. <laughs> and it would take about half of a half a gallon of milk and that we were out of milk. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to get him any. Yeah, punishment so I didn't get any milk and then I heard him come home and I heard him going I'm gonna have some cereal I'm gonna have some cereal and I'm thinking no you ain't <laughs> oh god oh bad. Yeah. yeah all of all of 26 year olds old <laughs> and miserable in a chemical romance so which brings up the point that you talk about a lot it's like we need to change how we see men not change men well, for anybody who's tried to change men, <laughs> when when my friend was called a frog farmer, it was such a relief to me. Like, oh, I'm doing something that's bringing out the worst in them. I thought that's just how they are. I thought their worst was who they are. And, and I prided myself on provoking them enough to reveal the worst before I got sucked in. Because mm. I, I thought it was all a con that the worst was really who they were and that other stuff was all just a con. And it, I didn't know that I was actually, and we just do this commonly, we, we provoke their most primitive instincts. And one of the examples of that is because of the way testosterone formulates a brain, and because of which it creates single focus, so being committed is natural and normal for men. It's actually a state of peace for them to be committed. And so when they're focused on producing a result and we interrupt them, 
in order to connect with them so we can feel safe because they weren't paying attention to us, we don't realize we've just interrupted their productivity, which is one way to bring out the worst in men because they they expect to survive by productivity. But we've also disturbed a state of peace. Like if you know somebody was meditating, right? In order to be a better person, would you keep interrupting? <laughs> that's meditating. Well, that's what being single focused is like. It's a meditation and it may be a meditation on solving a problem <laughs> or getting something done or creating something for someone they love, but we'll interrupt them. Like if, if they look like they aren't doing anything important, which we think deserves to be important, right? Watching television deserves to be interrupted at all times. It's so crazy. And but that brings up another point of how you once talked about when you ask a man for help with a problem, how you should listen. Like if you don't listen to his solution, then it's like disrespecting him. Ah, well, it's I'm glad you brought it up. It's really tricky, though. So. And I, I recommend for everyone, like in the in the Queen's Code and in our Understanding Men online course, we teach what what I call the language of heroes. And they're very, very powerful words that call a man up and out. And but they're very specific. So for example, asking a man, will you help me, isn't asking him to be accountable. You, will, will you help me, right? I, there's something I'm trying to do, will you help me with it? So I'm, I'm still, I'm accountable, I'm in charge of this. If we ask a man for advice, and you can use the word advice, or you can use the word should, what should I do? If we say to a man, what should I do? And he picks it up, right? Like he he picks it up because sometimes they don't pick it up. They're like, I don't know enough to tell you what to do. Mm. Right? So they won't, they won't take it on. But if they pick it up, hmm. So what is the result you're trying to produce? Hmm. And when do you need this done by? Hmm. So what you should do is this. It took a long time for me to learn this from them, but when they do that, they're taking accountability for our result and they're giving us their best stuff. They're not just handing us something out the top of their head. They're not just giving us trash. They're taking all their years of experience, all their successes and failures, all their assessments of who we are and what really matters to us. They're taking all of that and now it's, wrapped up and it's got a bow on it this is what you should do mm -hmm. and if we're like nah I don't feel like it <laughs> then why did you waste my fill in whatever explanates uh, expletives you want <laughs> my time that then what if you weren't going to do wait why did you ask and so it's really important if we don't want to cause that huge disrespect of their time and energy um, and wisdom, then we have to make sure we word it. I have a decision I have to make. This is the problem I'm trying to solve. And I'm wondering if you have any things I sh you think would be good for me to consider or maybe investigate. Some other things I should think about before I make this decision. Well, now we just asked for input. So he can give us input and all we have to do to show respect is consider the input. Oh, I never would have thought of that. Okay, let me write that down. I got to think about that some more. It, what, anything else? Oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> well, let me write that down. Anything mm -hmm. else? <laughs> no, that's all. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me that. I definitely am going to consider this. And do you want me to tell you what I end up deciding to do? Yeah, I'd love to know. Okay. <laughs> then it's all, no, this is mine, 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 mine. And 
ah, and thank you for the yours that you contributed to the mine. But we can't be, we, we want to just talk however we talk and have it work. But it, that's assuming that we speak the same language and we don't. In fact, couples with different native languages often do better because they know they don't understand each other. They keep mm -hmm. verifying. What did you mean by that? What did you mean by that? Was that this or this? And they'll pantomime and they'll do all kinds of things. And they actually end up with fewer misunderstandings than <laughs> men and women who have the same native language. Mm, that makes sense. I can just feel how comforting that is because definitely not done that. And feeling, you know, the men really love to be respected and the, you to value their opinion and value what they have to say. And so I could see how that could be like so nourishing to them instead of the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just would amend love being respected. It's so much more primitive than that. Their survival depends upon being productive and their productivity depends on being trusted and respected. Mm. Otherwise, they're chasing bunnies all by themselves. They don't get invited to the big game, the big hunt, the big results. And, and so when we do something that they interpret as disrespect, I call it a caveman attack. They're, they're like, who are you? It's such a big reaction, whether it's big in a blow up or it's big in a withdrawal, big in a shutdown, right? So fight, flight, freeze, whatever version they do, it's so big because you literally threaten their survival. And so how do you repair from, from being disrespectful? <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to give a contrast, okay? <laughs> because it's equally hard, Yeah. right? So as a woman, if a man said, you disrespected me, what's normal is to look in our bodies and see if we can find a feeling of disrespect. And if we can't find a feeling of disrespect, we couldn't have disrespected them. Yeah. So, so we'll, we will say, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, 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 I didn't. I just did this and this and this. You disrespected me. <laughs> I couldn't have. And so we won't honor their reality. If you say I disrespected you, then I disrespected you. Please tell me how I did that because I'm clueless. <laughs> I'll own it, but could you spell it out? And it's the, the contrast, Lexi, is when a woman, if she coughs it up, says to a man, you hurt my feelings. How could I have hurt your feelings? Duh. <laughs> He's like, I can't control your feelings. I don't affect your feelings. I, where, where do your feelings hurt? Right here. I can barely breathe. Mm didn't punch you in the chest I didn't even touch you like to them it's it's illogical how they they um they judge themselves by intent how could I have hurt you if I didn't intend to hurt you <laughs> so it's as hard for them to say I'm sorry I hurt your feelings which will heal us as it is for women to say I'm sorry I disrespected you which will restore them so it's one of the things we both, if this is going to turn out, if we're going to end up with the kinds of the quality of relationships that we want, we, we both have to teach ourselves to be able to honor the other person's reality, to set ours aside and honor theirs. Mm -hmm. And like, if a man will say, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings. And then right? All of a sudden you can breathe again. Mm -hmm. um, they need us to own what hurt my feelings was how I interpreted your tone of voice. Really? <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I got my feelings hurt by how I interpreted the gruffness of your voice.
Do you want to be a part of an extraordinary trip of a lifetime where you'll be surrounded by open-minded, fun, and inspiring humans from around the world? You'll be in a space that is so safe you can express all of you, not have to hide or hold back the tears or the weird accents you love to do. The amount of unconditional love you will feel will make you feel unstoppable. You'll be in a tropical paradise surrounded by beauty in the Balinese jungle. Every day you'll eat delicious, healthy meals cooked by a local chef, and instead of cleaning up after all, you'll head to the glass sauna and relax. You love growing and are ready to leap into the unknown and connect deeper to your spirituality. At the end of the week, you'll leave feeling like the weight of the world has been lifted off your shoulders. You'll be smiling ear to ear and feel as light as a feather. I will take care of all of your needs for a week at the all-inclusive Alive to Enjoy retreat this December 2nd through 10th. You can book a call with me, Lexi, at alivetoenjoy.com slash retreats. And I swear this will be hands down the best way to end 2023. All genders are welcome and all people who are here to make this world a better and brighter place. And Which is something that women will do when men get emotional, their voices get gruff, right? And they'll get emotional from really caring about us but not wanting to reveal it, right? And often they're so ashamed, it goes back to shame, how they're ashamed to have hurt us, even though it's unthinkable that they did. And we're holding their feet to the fire, right? So it, it's an art form. And it, it's one of the things that Greg had, my husband Greg had trouble with. He just kept hoping that it that wasn't what had happened. <laughs> And it's one of the things that astonished me about after Greg died, I met Dan about a year and a half later, and it astonished me that he, I don't know who taught him to do it, but he's so willing to do it. Mm. He, he just he just does it. <laughs> you seem upset. <laughs> do, do you want to hug it out? <laughs> Did I hurt your feelings? I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. <laughs> And then I'll be sorry. You know, he gets credit. Thank you for saving me. And I'm sorry I interpreted your intentions that way. You would never do that. Mm. So it's a, it's a double whammy. Do you know, often we both end up hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So often I've, you know, been in both those experiences. And yeah, it's it's when we can, because when we come up and we are being called out, right, that the fence goes up, we're like, oh you know and so then we shut down and so it makes sense it's like oh actually in this moment can I acknowledge their truth and let them have their own experience I think that is just so powerful and it's it really it is simple however actually practicing it is a different story in those moments but I I love that yeah I taught Dan there's a when I say I I need you to say I'm sorry I hurt your feelings It, it means I need him to eat the whole thing I, I'm taking no responsibility. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings. And and sometimes I just know those are the words I need to hear or I'm just going to keep being crazed. And, and, but I taught him if I said, I got my feelings hurt, mm-hmm. that I'm owning as much as I can. <laughs> I got my feelings hurt. Like I'm, I'm reaching as far as I can that I probably misinterpreted this, mm. <laughs> but could you save me anyway? And so I, I taught him to not say, if I say I, I got my feelings hurt, don't say, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings because no, I'm owning as much as I can. So if, instead say, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt this is what I think you meant by what you did. Did you mean that? (laughs) Oh, it seems like, which is another good one, Lexi. It seems like, well, it seemed like you were mad at me. I wasn't mad at you. What made it seem that way? Well, your voice was really gruff. Oh, oh no, that's because of this, right? So it's one of the ways everybody can study men is just whatever man's in front of you. It seemed like I may have misinterpreted this. So I'd like to verify with you. Can you 
would you be willing to tell me? I know you have a good reason for what you do. Would you be willing to tell me what it was? And then, yes, imaginary duct tape. (laughs) And listen. (laughs) The listening part is so good. And that makes me also come into another point of why you, I think you have a course on this, like why you can't trust men to tell the truth. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, I love that's such a like, I love that topic. So can you kind of go through this a little bit? <laughs> well, why you can't trust men to tell the truth. And there's another one. Oh, using anger to get what you need. Those are two first, just public webinars that I gave you. When I was ready to provoke women. (laughs) So in the beginning, our workshop was called Celebrating Men, Satisfying Women. And so a lot of women didn't come. What's there to celebrate? They're assholes. I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, but that's what they would say. And and so we, we called it that on purpose because I just wanted people who were receptive to a new possibility. But then over years and years and years, right, that was 1995, I got stronger. I got more muscle. I got more more understanding. And so I could, I could like, if you're pissed at men, bring it on. <laughs> Come on in, have a seat, right? And, and so why you can't trust men to tell the truth was me reaching out to the women who did not want Pollyanna Allison, right? (laughs) Didn't want men are great Allison. They wanted to, and, but, so it was awesome. They showed up. I think it was 3,000 people signed up. But if you listen to it, it's on on our website, right? Under under shop. after I recorded it, we sent a link to the recording to the men on our mailing list. And, and you know, with this email, it said, you know, I've still got your back. <laughs> I just, I, I want you to know that I did this and why I did this. And the subtitle could be, How Women Teach Honest Men It's Not Worth It. And do you want just the bottom line? Should I get the bottom line? Yeah. So this is related to the criticism thing, right? So we try to motivate men with criticism and we also try to motivate them by making sure they know how very, 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 very upset we are. (laughs) And we think that that'll change them, us being upset. Took me a long time to find out that, well, actually not that long, was it early in the beginning when a man said, I would never do anything for that reason. And no self-respecting man would. <laughs> it's like, what? So, so generally what happens is a man will tell a woman the truth. She'll tell him his truth. And if she doesn't like it, she'll get really upset about it. That's ridiculous. I can't believe you think that. I, blah, 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 blah. How could you possibly? Blah, 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 blah thinking that he'll now re-examine what he said and change his truth. Well, they're much more clear about who they are than that. And they're smarter than that. This truth that they revealed has probably been true for a long time. And they logically can connect the dots that the problem was not in the truth. The problem showed up when he told it to you. So he doesn't decide to change his truth. He decides to not tell it to you anymore. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to him. He he sees when exactly when the problem happened. And, (laughs) oh gosh, we're so funny. But I mean, it would have worked with a woman. She would, if we got real, I can't believe you think that. Do you know, well, it's because of this and that'll, maybe I need to heal something or <laughs> maybe there's something I don't know. Like, <laughs> yes. Unwind it all. And, they're not going to, especially under attack. They're not going to, they're just going to defend. 
I was in the situation where he, yeah, he, one of my past lovers told me the truth. And then he's like, this is why I don't like telling you my truth. Like, I'm always really real with you, but how you respond doesn't make me feel safe. And I was like, fuck. Yes. <laughs> oh no. So yeah. how can we learn to hold the truth of the mess? <laughs> well, by the way, in the context of talking, mm -hmm is the only time I hear men talk about feeling safe. The rest of the time, they care about feeling secure. And which has a whole lot to do with confidence mm -hmm. and in themselves and their own ability. And maybe as a couple, our problem solving ability that we've demonstrated. But when they talk about talking, that's when they say it's not safe. And, and so it has to do, Lexi, with how we listen. This is something we pay attention to in a course called Lux, and which is an introductory course, and it's where most people should start these days. And what we call listening, right? Oh, I'm just listening. I'm an engineer. I had to break it down, right? So what we call listening is actually there's a question at the top of our mind and the person's talking and we're asking this question and normal human questions are what do I think about that what do I know about that how do I feel about that what does that have to do with me <laughs> what do you need from me what's the point what's the problem right those are all normal ways of listening and so when someone says something that causes a problem for us, like what they just said occurs like an obstacle to us having what we want, we're already in, do I agree with that? Do I disagree with that? How do I feel about that? And so because we're asking the question, what do I think about that? We're actually talking to ourselves. What do I think about that? <laughs> and then we'll, you know, we'll come out with what I think about that. It it it's the most natural thing to do. And you can tell how people are listening by what they interrupt you for. Well, what I know about that is this. Oh, they were listening. What do I know about that? Well, I don't feel that way. <laughs> they were listening. How do I feel about that? Well, what I think about that is, oh, they're they, they weren't listening. And so if we practice, a really good practice is notice what questions already there and see if you can substitute. We, they're all versions of what we call listening to learn. So you can substitute what's true for them. So you're just listening. That's the question. What's true for them? What's true for them? That question displaces reacting the way that we normally would because we displaced the question that caused the reaction so if we're like so what's true for them what's okay and what's true for them and what's true for them and what's true for them oh or it could be what matters to them what matters to them what matters to them or what do they care about what do they care about or what's important to them what's important to them any of those ways of listening to learn i i think of it as a treasure hunt and we're going to end up with clarity, even if the clarity does mean this is not a fit. This isn't going to work because of I'm, I'm going to respect your truth and I'm going to respect my truth and we don't fit. And and it, but if we're listening in one of those ways of listening to learn, then we can interact in more productive ways. Like, okay, so can I? I, I was listening for what's true for you. Can I tell you what it seems like is true for you so I make sure I got it right? Could I could I give it back to you so I make sure I got it? It it sounded like or what I heard, like saying things like what I heard was instead of what you said was. <laughs> There's a lot in between said and heard. <laughs> a lot of stuff. <laughs> Right. So I heard and it seems like, and am I getting it? Do you have more to say about that? Mm. 
and and I hear that this is important to you, but I couldn't discern what about that is important to you. Would you be willing to say more? And things that could be disastrous can end up being amazing. And I remember having a conversation with Dan in the beginning, and we already knew we loved each other. That, that was easy. But were we, was this going to work? Was this going to fit? And and he was sharing something with me, and I and I was like, "Do you need that?" And he said, "I don't know." <laughs> mm. I said, "Okay, well, think about it, because if you need that, I'm not your person." Mm. It was just a fact. It wasn't there wasn't anything wrong with what he was saying. He might need. I'm just not the person that's going to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. No. Like you, you started the conversation with, we're so quick to condemn each other, right? No condemnation. Just know this isn't a fit. So glad you're on the planet, but it isn't a fit. And so all of those are the things that so many of those would show up on the telephone before we ever (laughs) got together in person. If I, if I had it my way, it's one of the things I talk about in dating with distinctions, which is something else on our website, but it matters. Mm-hmm. And if we can't give each other what we need to give and what we need to get, if we can't do that, it's never going to turn out. It's just how long before it falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thanks so much for sharing that. I really like that. And it's really helpful. It's it's always comes down to the way, yeah, our communication is everything in these partnerships. <laughs> One last question that I have is, what is the, how, how do you become a woman that a man actually wants to marry? Wow. <laughs> Just a small question, Lexi. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Our entire curriculum pretty much adds up to that. We don't have to be perfect at it by a long shot. But in, in understanding love and commitment, which is one of our graduate courses, we talk about the 12 things that make a woman the right person to marry. It, and there are 12 things. Mm-hmm. And none of those 12 things is he loves her. <laughs> there are 12 other things. And, and one of them is she doesn't emasculate him too much. She doesn't diminish him too much. She doesn't disrespect him too much. Those are all in that area. Another is that he, he feels liked. Mm. So by thinking that men are insensitive, which couldn't be further from the truth, I think they're more sensitive than we are. One of the things they're looking for in a, in a woman to be with for the rest of her life is that she likes him. And he, he interprets that she likes him because she's not trying to change him. Yeah. And it it doesn't mean we can't change behaviors. We actually have a audio recording about how to do that at the end of the Understanding Men online course. Changing behaviors is different than changing who somebody is. And because of how we perceive men, we try to change who they are. Mm -hmm. When if we just ask for a different behavior, they're so much more amenable. And like the first time I was staying at Dan's house when we were long distance dating, he he burped and and he burped a few times and he didn't say anything. And I noticed that I was, that I like respected him and admired him a little bit less than I did before that. <laughs> and those are the things to watch out for. If you respect them less, admire them less or like them less, these are things something's got to be done about, either in us or for them. And so I I brought it up to him. I said, you know, when I'm here in the same room with you and you burp, it would be honoring of me if you said, excuse me. And he looked at me like, that would be honoring of you? <laughs> yeah, it would be honoring of me. Okay. And- <laughs> And he took it on. He, he, he took it on and he, 
and, and but he took it on in this adorable way. He, he'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> it's a very dignified man, right? <laughs> you know, he's this very dignified man. And they go, excuse me. <laughs> like, he's like, like a seven, like seven years old. And I, I just, I just fall in love with him. Yeah. Right. And yesterday he came over for, for tea and cookies. <laughs> and baked cookies and and he was and he was talking and he burped and he kept talking and I was waiting for him to say excuse me and he didn't and and I said could you say excuse me and he said did I burp <laughs> yeah you did you it, it, it you interrupted your own sentence with a burp and you kept going oh my gosh I'm, I'm so sorry excuse me <laughs> that's the first time I've had to say that in probably over a year definitely over a year and so we can we can ask we can ask for behaviors to be different that they they like that we're girls mm -hmm. they they expect a woman to need to be interacted with differently than a man they just need us to ask for what matters to us instead of they should change everything you should act like a woman fix it right no we have to pay attention to one thing after another. And then and then if we want it to stick, we have to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. So as soon as Dan started saying, excuse me, I would say, thank you. And you're forgiven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one time he's like, I don't know how many points have I lost because of that. <laughs> I said, well, let's see. From everything you'd already done, even though we've only known each other for like six weeks, Minus the times that you burped and you didn't say, excuse me, I would say you're at 1,999,997 points. I love this. Okay, well, we have to wrap up this amazing session. The last question, I don't know if we have time, but it's what is one of your favorite romantic memories you have? Oh, my gosh. Thanksgiving twenty. 21, tried to do a good Thanksgiving dinner, didn't go well. Dan was putting up Christmas decorations mm -hmm. and I found a stack of books, Christmas books that his sisters had been giving to him and his children since they were born. And and what interested me, and I opened and started reading it. And he said, do you want to read it to me? And I was like, sure. It turns out he loves to be read to. And, but there's this one point where I was reading this book. And then I, I, I don't even remember what I said to him or what it was about was something that it like hurt me. And I, and I, I, I looked up at him and and he looked at me and he said, you have my heart. Mm. Yeah. Take, uh, that's a big responsibility. <laughs> have his heart. Mm. That is so precious. I love, yeah. I love ten, like when men are tender and like show you these parts of themselves, it makes me melt. <laughs> Another day, I said, I am crushing on you so badly. Yes. Good. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks for having me. I would love to know where people can find you, what you're offering. You have books, you have courses, you have everything. So give them a have everything. Well, it's all at alisonarmstrong.com. There's stuff on Audible, but it's old stuff. Um, and if for bang for your buck, I recommend listening to the Queen's Code audiobook. And if someone wants support, in a couple of weeks, we're starting, uh, we call it your Queen's Code journey. And so, um, people sign up for it and they listen to the audiobook. And then I get on Zoom with them for an hour and a half. Um, five times and answer questions about what we've listened to so far. And it it helps people 
get to where that book was written for, which mm -hmm. is to transform the way men and women relate to themselves and each other. So that's a good thing to do. It's called your Queen's Code Journey. And there's a whole bunch of stuff on our website, including free stuff to watch and listen to and our online curriculum. We have hundreds of hours of online courses. You're amazing. It's crazy. It's so cool. <laughs> I haven't had it a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lexi, I'm going to run. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. And bye to everybody. Bye. You made it to the end of the episode, so now it's time for our snuggly heart breath of the day. Place a hand or both hands, if it's safe to do so, over your heart and take a big breath into your heart center. Open your mouth and let it go. I'm so grateful to have shared this time with you. If you enjoyed this combo, please share with your besties and your fam. And if you're a visual person like me, fly over to YouTube and watch the video. If you want to do a random act of kindness today, please leave a five-star review so more people in the world can get their hearts snuggled. <laughs> you're helping tremendously when you do this, so thank you so much. And as a gift for doing so, I'll give you my Soften Your Heart Medi that feels like an exhale and a hug from within. When you leave a review and email me at the screenshot to heartsnuggles at alivetoenjoy.com, you can also find the email in the show notes and you'll get the free meditation. Sending you the warmest, comfiest hug and lots of unexpected blessings your way. Remember that every single person just wants to be loved. So how can you be loved today?